But rather than a traditional sermon this morning, Pastor Dave and I are each going to take turns uh, with a very short um, scripture word. And we're going to really focus this morning on corporate prayer. Uh, so I'm going to begin, and then Pastor Dave will end before we take communion. Um, if you would, you can remain seated, but uh, if you would uh, get your Bibles out, uh, and if you want to use the Pew Bible that's in front of you, uh, we'll be on page 567, the book of Ephesians, chapter 1. Uh, by the way, if you do not have a Bible in your home, please take one of those. We want you to have the Word of God in your home, so please feel free to take one as our gift to you. Page 567. The book of Ephesians chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion 
and every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age to come. And he put all things under his feet, gave him his head over all things in the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. This is the word of the Lord. In my own uh, personal devotional life, um, over the last couple of weeks, I've experienced a sudden and deep um, increase in my appetite for the Word. I mean, I, I've always, of course, loved the Word of the Lord, but just recently, my appetite has just been insatiable. And I, I can't wait in the morning uh, to get up out of bed and have my coffee and brush my teeth and get to the point where I can be with the Lord for an hour or so and just spend some time in the Word. And uh, currently I'm reading uh, the book of Ephesians. I'm, uh, this morning started my third time through it. And I'm probably going to read it ten times. And I'm just devouring it. And it's, it's just as new uh, the next day as it was the previous day. And, and I was just so struck by some of the truths uh, that I saw uh, in chapter one as I was reading it today. Uh, one of the, the uh, are probably the overarching truth that I see in chapter 1 is that everything God does, everything from foretime to eternity is to the praise of His glory. This whole thing is not about us. We are a part of it. But, but everything that God does is to the praise of His glory and to glorify His Son, Jesus Christ, forever and ever and ever and ever. I mean, even our salvation uh, is... Uh, God didn't save us uh, so that we could have a happy life. That, that's a byproduct at best. God saved us so that we could be vessels and conduits of His love for His Son to glorify Him forever and ever and ever. And to that end, he works all things after the counsel of his will. He predestined us. He planned it out. He brought it to pass that he will complete it in eternity to the praise of the glory of his grace. And, and the other thing that I saw toward the end of chapter 1, uh, and I just want to read it again to you, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and all authority and all power and all dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And how often we, we forget that. We don't remember that his name is above every other name, not only today, not only yesterday, but every name in the future that is named he is above every name. And so this morning, I want to lead us in some corporate prayer um, based on these truths and guided on these truths. And, and I want to lead us in some prayer of, of repentance uh, that we have not lived up in the Spirit to what He has called us to, to glorify His Son and to remember that His name is above every name. So if you would, bow your heads and let's spend some time in prayer before the Lord. And as I pray, if you also would please pray your heart to the Lord.
Lord God Almighty, Father, we bless your name. We bless the name of your Son. We bless your Spirit. Father, you have revealed to us the mystery of your will, that your purpose in all of eternity is to glorify your Son. You laid out the plan to glorify your Son from ages past, from before the foundation of the world, and you have brought it to pass. Father, you, you sent him as a baby. He grew up as a man. He lived a perfect life before you. He died a sinless death for us. You raised him from the dead. And then, Lord, you saved us. You saved us for the purpose of glorifying his name forever and ever and ever. Lord, we just want to confess that we are not what we should be. That only by your grace and mercy will we become all we should be. Continue, Father, to craft our lives. Continue to conform us to the image of your Son. Continue to sanctify us. To make us his bride. Continue, Father, to teach us how to love him and to love him. We ask you to love your Son through us. Express your infinite love to your Son through us. Cause us to think about Him more, to desire Him more, to show affection to Him more today than yesterday and more tomorrow than today. Lord, increase our love for Your Son. Father, we want to repent. I want to repent for myself for every time that I have ever expressed any affection or any delight or any name which should have been reserved for your son. Lord, I repent, we repent of any person on the earth. I'm thinking especially, Lord, in our civil government any, any present, past, present, or future that we've expressed any delight or any affection or any joy that should have been reserved for your sin, we repent. We pray for any, anyone, any Supreme Court justice, any, any congressman, uh, any governor, uh, any, any uh, mayor, Anyone at any level of civil government, anyone that we have expressed an, an affection and a delight and, and gratitude and joy that should have been reserved for your son, we repent. We say, Lord Jesus Christ, we love you. You are our Lord and King. The Father, our our sin in this matter does not just fall to our civil authorities. We confess that we have done the same thing within the church. Lord, I repent for any affection or delight or gratitude or joy that I have expressed for any pastor, any national leader, any well-known pastors, as well as our local pastors, our local leadership. 
or any Christian organization, Father, I publicly confess my repentance, or I've expressed any delight in them that should have been reserved for your son. And we ask, Lord, that you would cause our hearts to be fully turned to your son, and we would love him with all our hearts, all our soul, all our mind, and all our strength. Lord Jesus Christ, King of the universe, we love you because you have first loved us. We ask you, Father, you would help us to please you in all things for the glory of your Son. We ask it in his name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Paul. Um, I appreciate your heart for the Lord and your leadership here. Um, I want to share with you this morning uh, just some things that the Lord laid on my heart last night. Um, we, we talked to Mark last night and, and decided that, that he should stay home. And so, but the Lord last night was already beginning to lay some things on my heart uh, for the body. And so, I really want to uh, take a few minutes to talk about that and pray about that together as the body of Christ. And I was thinking about the year that we've had so far, 2020. It's, uh, it's been quite the year, right? I don't think many of us are going to forget uh, this year uh, for varying reasons. Um, and I, I would certainly say in my living memory, it's one of the craziest, most unique years that, that I have lived through probably the most. Um, and, uh, but I, w- I was thinking about this last year, and global pandemic aside, one of the things that has really um, burdened my heart and made me sad is, uh, is the amount of, of anger and dissension and division that I've seen in our nation this year. Um, and I don't think I've ever experienced it to that level before. Um, and, it, and it troubles me, and it really it's heartbreaking. And so as I was thinking about this morning and, and what um, the Lord would have us pray about, the word, that he, the word that he gave to me was mercy. And my question this morning um, for myself and for us as the church, as the body of Jesus, is are we a people that are merciful? Are we a people who delight and showing mercy to other people. And mercy is, is showing love and compassion to people, and especially maybe those people that we don't feel like deserves that. So are we a people who show mercy, love, and compassion to people who don't deserve it? I want to start this morning um, by reading from Ephesians chapter 2. I didn't plan this with Paul, but the Lord just works that way. Um, so Ephesians 2 um, and I want to read to you verses 1 through 5. Uh, and this is what Paul writes. It says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. This, this is describing how we were without Christ. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh 
carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Now, up to this point, that's not very good news. Verse 4, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Church, we serve, we serve a God who is rich in mercy, abundant in mercy, meaning He never runs out of mercy for His people, ever. Um, just like we sang this morning, our sins are many, our sins are great, our sins are, we can't even count them, but His mercy towards us is more and is greater than that. And so we serve a God, we follow a God who is rich and abundant in mercy. And as His people, we are called to be like Him, to be as He is. And so as Christians, we should be a people who are marked by our mercy towards all people, towards those who don't deserve it. And uh, I don't think anything illustrates this better um, then the story that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 10. Now this is, this is one of the better known stories in the Bible. And if you've been in church for very long, then you have heard the story of the Good Samaritan, right? That's familiar to most of us. Um, and so thinking about this idea of mercy and what mercy looks like, I want to read this story together. So we're in Luke chapter 10. Um, So the third gospel, Matthew, Mark, and then Luke. Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25. And this is what it says. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, And with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he, talking about the lawyer, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And he's about, to get a question, uh, he's about to get an answer to the question that he wasn't expecting. Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite... When he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii. And gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think 
proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers. He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. We all know that story, right? Or most of us know that story. Now, what you need to understand is this lawyer questioning Jesus, saying, well, Jesus, you know, what do I do to need to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, you know, you know the law, right? What is the law? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so the lawyer, wanting to justify himself, wanting to feel good about himself, says, okay, Jesus, well, who is my neighbor? Now, he's expecting to hear that his neighbor is his fellow Jews, right? And so he's thinking Jesus is going to say, well, you know, um, you know your tribe, your country. These are the people that you are to love and show compassion to. Now, the, the Gentiles and some of these other people, don't worry about them. They're not your neighbor, but love your own people and you will do well. That's what he's expecting to hear, right? But Jesus has a slightly different answer. And instead, he tells him this story about a man, a Jew, who is on the road and is attacked uh, by robbers. He's, he's stripped, he's beaten, and he is left for dead on the side of the road, right? And so then the story goes that a priest comes along. Now, a priest would be uh, a Jewish direct descendant of Aaron. The priests were the people who ministered in the temple. The priests were the people who were to be the intermediary between God and man, right? The priests were those responsible for the the soul care, the spiritual well-being of the Jewish people. And the priest sees this man lying half dead in the road. And And not only does he not help him, but he crosses to the other side of the road... And he keeps going, right? Well, then a Levite comes along a little bit later. Now, a Levite um, was not a descendant of Aaron directly, so not one of the priests. But the Levites, their job was to assist the priests in caring for the temple and, and the sacrificial system and all those kinds of things. So the Levites were also uh, spiritual leaders in the community. And again, just like the priest, the Levi comes by, sees this man naked, bleeding, half dead in the road, and decides to move over to the side of the road and keep going. Right? You know, I I don't know their story, but maybe they were, uh, maybe they were just too busy. You know, we got got important stuff to do at the temple, got important jobs to do for the sake of God. Don't have time to mess with this guy laying here. Uh, Maybe they were too busy, too important, I don't know. Um, But regardless, they saw a person in tremendous need, and they passed by, and they kept going. And then a Samaritan comes along. Now, what what you need to know about Samaritans um, is that the Jews hated the Samaritans. So the Jews and Samaritans were, were enemies. The Samaritans came from when the northern tribe was, was invaded and dispersed. Then other peoples from different countries came in and they, they intermarried. So they were, they were essentially considered half-breeds, unworthy of, of Jewish culture. And the Jews utterly despised and detested the Samaritans. So the Samaritan would have, would have been considered an enemy 
of the Jews. So here comes, here comes this person down the road who would have been considered an enemy by the man laying half dead in the road. And the text in Luke tells us that instead of passing by this enemy of the Jews, he stops and it says he has compassion on the man. He has compassion. And he stops and he, and he dresses and he binds his wounds. And he, he picks him up and puts him on his own animal. And he takes him to an inn and he, he pays for all of his needs. Two denarii would have been equal to about two full days wages for someone like that. And he pays all of his bills and he says, do whatever it takes um, for this man to be better. And when I come back, I'm going to cover all of the cost. I'm going to cover everything. It's all on me. Just make sure that this man is cared for. And he has compassion. And Jesus asks the question then, who out of these three men proved to be a neighbor? You see, what Jesus is doing is he's, he's correcting the question that the lawyer asked in the beginning. Right? The lawyer is saying, hey, Jesus, who's, who's my neighbor? Who do I need to show love and compassion to? It's my fellow Jews, right? And Jesus is saying, no, see, you're asking the wrong question. The question is, how can you show my love and compassion and mercy to everyone, even to your enemies, even to those who despise you, who reject you, who hate you? How can we be a people who show love and compassion and mercy to someone like that. And I wonder, church, I wonder if you and I sometimes fail to show mercy because we forget how much mercy Christ has shown to each one of us. Go back to Ephesians 2, our Ephesians 2 uh, passage, and... uh, Um, We read um, how Paul is describing us when we were apart from Christ. Paul says in Ephesians 2, he says, We are dead. We were dead in our sins. We were uh, following after the prince of the power of the air. That's the devil. We were sons of disobedience. We had rejected God and His Word and His commands to us. We were, we were living according to the flesh. We were, instead of chasing and pursuing Jesus, who's given us everything, and instead of living a life to honor and glorify God, we're, we're pursuing a life to satisfy the cravings of our own flesh. It says we're children of wrath. We're deserving of God's wrath and judgment. And that's that's really dire news. But then we get to verse 4. And again it says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, even when we were dead in our sin, hating and rejecting God, He had mercy on us. He made us alive together with Christ. And by His grace... He saved us. See, this is the story of the gospel, right? You and I, enemies of God, were laying half dead, naked, bleeding, worthless 
on the side of the road. And Jesus, who we rejected, Jesus stopped and he had compassion on us. And he took us into his embrace and he clothed us and he he bound our wounds and he gave us a place to stay and he paid all of our debt. That's what Jesus did for me. And that's what Jesus did for each one of you. And guess what, guys? We did not deserve that. But we serve a God who is rich in mercy. Thank you, Lord. So, church, our question then this morning is, are we a people who live out the example of God's mercy here on earth? Are we a people who delight in showing mercy even to our enemies, even to those who think differently than us, because we have been shown mercy by a merciful God? And I'm not just talking about being merciful in random encounters that we may experience from time to time, but husbands, wives, are you merciful? Are you showing mercy to your spouse? When they maybe don't treat you right. Um, When they're living in a way that maybe doesn't meet your needs the way that you feel like they should be met. Do you meet that with mercy instead of anger? Instead of revenge? Parents, are we merciful towards our children when they drive us crazy? When they drive us up the wall? When they're maybe ungrateful for all of the time, all of the work, all of the effort we've put in. Do we meet that with anger, with resentment, or do we meet that with mercy? Because Jesus has shown us mercy. Are we merciful to our coworkers when they're lazy, when they cut corners, when they cheat, when they do something that's good for them but bad for the rest of us? Do we meet that with anger and resentment? Or do we meet that with mercy? Because we've been shown mercy. Students, are we merciful towards our classmates, towards the kids that nobody likes, towards the kids that are a little different, a little strange? Are we merciful towards those kids that are just downright mean, maybe even bully sometimes? Do we meet that with mercy? The way Jesus met our sin and contempt and hatred with his mercy. Are we merciful to those who think and act differently than we do? There's no better example of dissension among us than when we're getting close to an election, right? That's just the reality. And, And what's heartbreaking is that it's even present in the church sometimes. And I think it breaks the Lord's heart when instead of loving each other in unity, we're judgmental and unkind towards each other just because maybe we vote differently than someone else. Maybe we have some different opinions than someone else. Are we merciful towards those who are different and think differently than we are? See, church, um, the world does not need your political opinions. The world needs people who show mercy the way Jesus showed mercy. Right? May we be a people 
May we be a church who celebrate and rejoice in the mercy of God and a people from whose hearts mercy overflows to those around us because it has been shown to us in incredible abundance. And so I want to take a few minutes to pray together this morning. And, uh, and I'm going to um, I'm going to have you pray uh, just on your own first. Um, if you're sitting next to someone and, and you want to pray together, um, that's, that's absolutely great. Um, if it's someone in your circle um, and you want to pray together, um, then, then feel free to do that. But there's, there's two things I want to pray for. So first, uh, I want to start with this. I want you to just take about a minute, and I want you to just give God thanks for His abundant mercy that He's poured out on you. Go ahead. Just, just pour out thanks to the Lord. And now I want you to um, think about those people in your life. And you know who they are. And we all have them. People that you have had difficulty showing the mercy of Jesus to. And I want you to ask that God would just uh, change your heart towards those people and give you a heart of love and compassion and mercy for them. So let's, uh, let's pray and ask the Lord for that. Father, we give you thanks again that when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, when we were disobedient, when we were living according to the flesh, following the devil, children of wrath, deserving of judgment, you were rich in mercy towards us. You've poured out your love and your compassion on us, Lord. And we give you thanks, God. And we want, a peop- we want to be a people who are merciful like you are, Lord. Um, we want to love even our enemies, even those who are the most difficult, Father. We want to, we want to be people who, who pour out love and compassion and mercy, even on our enemies, even, even on those people who treat us with anger and contempt. Lord, help us to live out the gospel the way that you did. Help Northridge Life Church to be a church of mercy, full of merciful people who love their neighbors, all of their neighbors, not just the easy ones to love, but all of our neighbors, Lord. I pray that we could truly be a city uh, on a hill, a light on a hill, for Lubbock and for our nation, Lord. And I pray that, um, God, as we struggle with so much anger and hate and division in our nation, Lord, I pray that you would raise up more and more people not wanting to get their opinions across, but just wanting to love and show mercy towards people, Lord. Help us with that. Help us to glorify you through that, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we want to um, we want to finish um, uh, our service this morning like we always do um, by celebrating communion and the Lord's table together. And um, and what greater act of mercy has there ever been than Jesus going to the cross 
for your sake and for my sake. And that we get to celebrate as we come to the table. And before we do that, I was just reminded of um, one of my favorite stories in Scripture from 2 Samuel chapter 9. And I've told this, I've told this story before. But it's the story of a guy named Mephibosheth. Um, if you don't know who that was, he was the grandson of King Saul. Now, King Saul was an evil king, a wicked king, not after the Lord's heart. Um, and so when David became king, David is in David and Goliath. When David became king after Saul, it would have been customary for him to find all the relatives of Saul and have them put to death. That's what the kings um, in that age used to do. They didn't want any remnants of the, the prior royal family around. They wanted them gone and forgotten. And so it would have been normal practice for David to seek out the family of Saul and have them put to death. Um, but David, who was always aware of the mercy that God had show, showed him, instead of seeking out Saul's family to kill them and have them put to death, um, he said, I, I want to know if there's anyone left in Saul's family that I might show them kindness. I want to I find anyone left in Saul's family and I want to show them kindness and compassion and mercy. And Mephibosheth, the grandson of Saul, he was um, not only one of David's enemies, um, but he was, he was a cripple. In those days, he would have been considered the lowest of the low in society, absolutely worthless and no good for anything. And David finds this, this crippled man, this enemy, grandson of Saul, and he says to him, I want to show you kindness. And so not only am I going to spare your life and not put you to death, but I'm going to invite you into my home and I'm going to give you a seat at my table the same way I do for my sons for the rest of your life. For the rest of your life, you are going to be treated and regarded as one of my sons. That's what David did for his enemy. And that's such a beautiful gospel picture of what Jesus has done for us when he invites us to come to this table. We were his enemies. We were cripples, beggars, absolutely worthless. And Jesus said, I want to show you kindness. And I want to invite you to come and have a seat at my table for all eternity. And I am going to count you as one of my sons and daughters. That is the mercy and kindness that Jesus has shown to us. And that's what we get to remember and get to celebrate as we come to the table of the Lord. And so I want to uh, invite each one of you, if you'll come and just grab one of these prepackaged um, crackers and, and juice cups. Um, and then in a moment we'll, we'll read uh, the words of Scripture together and we'll pray over the elements. But go ahead and come. The word of the Lord says in 1 Corinthians 11, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread together. 
In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's take the cup together. Father, thank you for Jesus, your son. Thank you for his body that was broken for our sake. And we could have life everlasting with you. Thank you for his blood that was poured out for us that we might receive forgiveness. That we might be welcomed to your table as your sons and your daughters. No longer no longer enemies, but part of your family. Thank you that you delight in showing mercy to your people, even when we don't deserve it, Lord. For that, we give you thanks. We give you thanks, Lord. And may we go out and show your mercy to the world around us, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you guys would hold out your hands in a receiving position, I want to read uh, the benediction over you uh, from Ephesians 3. We got chapter 1 and 2, so we might as well get chapter 3, right? Um, Ephesians 3, verse 14 to 19. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Uh, May the Lord bless you, have a great week, and let's go out and be vessels of mercy for the glory of God. Amen.